Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Happy day before Friday. Uh, happy Thursday uh, to you and yours and everyone in the fearless army and the fearless nation, fearless soldiers. We have an awesome show uh, planned for you today. I- I'm, I'm going to warn you, we're not going to talk about Ukraine. I- I'd, I- I'm not an expert on that. I, I don't. So and I don't have an expert guest to come on, although tomorrow I may. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember the minister I had on from Austin, Texan Christian. Uh, I think I'm going to reach out to him. Remember, he was born in the Soviet Union and has a great take. And we'll, I'm sure we'll have a great take on Russia and what's going on with Putin. I'm going to reach out to Christian and see if we can get him back on the show maybe tomorrow. Uh, but I'm not going to talk about it because I just I don't have anything to add at the moment. But. I've got a topic and a fire starter that is somewhat related to what the, what's going on with Russia and the Ukraine. Uh, but I, I, in sports, it's a topic that I'm broadening and, and making bigger. And TJ Moe and Steve Kim are going to be here to help me talk about it. And when we'll go to TJ first, and then when we get to T, when we get to Steve Kim, we'll also talk about Troy Aikman has moved to uh, ESPN. Wow, that's major sports broadcasting news. Fixes ESPN's Monday Night Football uh, problem. We'll get Steve Kim's take on that. We'll also get Steve Kim's take on, I don't know if you guys have seen the Richard Jefferson uh, video where he went off on Gilbert Arenas. I found it fascinating. We'll get Steve Kim's take on that, but we're gonna start with my fire starter on Phil Mickelson, uh, the golf legend. You guys know, I don't have to tell you who Phil Mickelson is. Phil Mickelson, he's an American sellout, no different from LeBron James, Colin Kaepernick, and the other multimillionaire celebrities chasing billionaire status by any means necessary. Mickelson would likely never take a knee during the playing of the national anthem, He's unlikely to utter the name George Floyd with religious reverence. He's probably not a member of the resistance. But make no mistake, the golf legend is a sellout, cut from the same global citizen cloth as any other woke elite. Greed and the pursuit of power motivate America's elite. Mickelson is greedy and power hungry. An exaggerated feeling of victimization justifies his betrayal. According to Mickelson, the PGA Tour has financially exploited and bullied him and its other players. And maybe it has, I don't know. But the solution isn't to climb into bed with Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, launch a rival league, and attempt to destroy the tour and the platform that put Mickelson in position to earn 200, 300, 400 million dollars. But that's what Mickelson has done. A little more than a week ago, longtime golf writer Alan Shipnuck exposed the depth of Mickelson's betrayal when he posted a story detailing Mickelson's involvement in the upstart Saudi Golf League. Shipnuck quoted uh, Mickelson from a private conversation saying this, they, Saudis, are scary mofos to get involved with. We know they killed a Washington Post reporter, Jamal Khashoggi, and have a horrible record on human rights. 
they execute people over there for being gay. Knowing all of this, why would I even consider it? Because this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to reshape how the PGA Tour operates, end quote. Does that sound familiar? It's the same mindset America's social justice warriors use to overlook their alliance with China and the Chinese Communist Party. LeBron James and Colin Kaepernick have no problem overlooking China's human rights abuses and racism while railing against the United States of America. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity to get richer and reshape America into a nation that favors communist-leaning elites. Let's go back to Phil Mickelson. Let's quote him some more from Shipno. The PGA Tour has been able to get by with manipulative, coercive, strong-arm tactics because we, the players, had no leverage. Unless you have leverage, the PGA Tour won't do what's right. And the Saudi money has finally given us that leverage. I'm not sure I even want the SGL to succeed, but just the idea of it is allowing us to get things done with the PGA Tour. This is a money grab. Shipnick insinuates that Mickelson has lost millions of dollars gambling. He had to sell his private jet in 2019. The Saudis are paying 66-year-old Greg Norman untold millions to front the league. How big of a check would the Saudis cut to have the 51-year-old Mickelson play on the tour? Well, we may never know that number. On Tuesday, after finally feeling the full weight of the blowback of his PGA Tour peers, Mickelson backtracked, apologizing and announcing he would take time away from golf. He issued a statement saying, quote, it was reckless, I offended people, and I'm deeply sorry for my choice of words. I'm beyond disappointed and will make every effort to self-reflect and learn from this, end quote. I'm not going to offer a full-throated defense of the PGA Tour. I'm sure the league does bully its players. I'm equally sure many of the players feel entitled and are greedy. They've been eating at the Tiger Woods buffet for so long that they no longer appreciate the tour. What upsets me is the lack of loyalty to their home country and our institutions. Mickelson, LeBron, Kaepernick, your favorite movie star and politician, they're all global citizens. Guess who's not a global citizen? You. Maybe your level of idolatry has reached the point that you're satisfied living vicariously through your favorite celebrity. Hearing about and looking at their embarrassment of riches over Instagram might make you happy. It shouldn't especially if you understood the role they play in selling you out to foreign interests so they can live more and more lavish lifestyles. Bill Mickelson is a symptom of what's wrong with America and our elites. The very people who have benefited the most from the land of opportunity are the very people with the least amount of gratitude for their American birthright and citizenship. They're global citizens. You, you are American citizens. You've been sold out by men, corporations, and politicians who think and act like Phil Mickelson. They exaggerate their grievances and victimization and use that alleged oppression to cut lucrative business deals with foreign countries allergic to American freedom. Mickelson hasn't made enough money. The PGA Tour is run like a slave plantation. Let's start a rival league that benefits Saudi Arabia, undermines the PGA Tour, and exports jobs to other countries. That, that's what's happening here. It's what Nike did and does. It's what a lot of our corporations do. They'll do anything to avoid paying unionized American workers. American freedom allows these corporations to take flight 
And then, in order to satisfy Jeff Bezos, Phil Knight, and shareholders, the corporations prioritize global domination over the needs of American citizens. We foolishly think that because LeBron James spent his childhood years in the black ghetto, that he's immune from selling out working class and poor black people. <laughs> we foolishly think that because Phil Mickelson is white, male, and seemingly happy-go-lucky, that he's immune from selling out the good old U.S. of A. Wealth, fame, greed, and distance from God impacts us all the same. It doesn't matter if you're black or white. In terms of mindset, agenda, and actions, James and Mickelson have far more in common with Jeff Bezos than Jamil in Chicago or David in Nashville. Elites have no gratitude. They're their own gods. They're not thankful they were born in the freest country on the planet. They're not thankful that their homeland has founding documents loaded with Christian principles. They narcissistically believe the key to improving the world is increasing their power and wealth, protecting the sovereignty and the unique construct of this great nation stands in the way of their global aspirations. They're sellouts. That's my fire. You will not get that take anywhere else in the media ecosystem. Who else is going to connect the garbage that Phil Mickelson's trying to pull to the global elite agenda? I hate, to, I'm sitting here patting myself on the back, but I'm just sorry. I like this fire starter. I like how I've taken Phil Mickelson and tried to explain to you exactly what's going on in America, what the elites, the pampered, spoiled, entitled, ungrateful elites are doing to this country. And I know there are people sitting out there, first thing they're gonna run, well, Jason, you're an elite too. You're, you're worth millions of dollars. My mindset is not that of an elitist. I'm never, I'm sorry, I'm not going to sell out my upbringing, my working class parents, all of their working class friends, I'm not going to sell out. I know how I got here. I got here off the backs of union factory workers. My point of view is always going to be consistent with what's in their best interest. That will never change. There's no amount of money I can be offered to get me to sell out my mother and father. And, and again, my mother and father, my dad has passed, but they don't even really understand what's going on and how they're being sold out by these elites. Idolatry runs so deep and, and, and this little obsession we have with race but you combine the obsession with race and the idolatry and we, we're blinded. We can't see what LeBron James, Colin Kaepernick are doing. And then some people with the race, they can't see what Phil Mickelson's doing and what that mindset represents for them. Working class people are being sold out. People that are fine just with a high school diploma they don't want to go to Ivy League schools and be brainwashed. They don't want to go to any of these college campuses and be brainwashed. They need a path to the American dream as well. And they're being sold out by elites from the athletes to the celebrities, to the movie stars, to the corporations, to the Jeff Bezos's of the world. They're being sold out. They don't have it. These people have no respect for America and how blessed we all are to live in America, be born here, have these rights and freedoms and be allowed to start businesses that can become super profitable and wealthy. The first thing they do, how can I get more? What can I do? And then all of a sudden, because, you know, part of this is because of the Internet and it's made the world feel smaller. 
And so if serving China or Saudi Arabia makes Phil Mickelson and LeBron James more money, that's what they'll do. Corporations and billionaires are doing the same thing. These millionaire athletes that want to one day be billionaires, they're selling us out. They're selling you out. It's, uh, I don't want to say, it's us. People think I'm crazy and, and weird because I don't really like celebrities. I've never wanted to run in their circles, ever. I've made decisions throughout my entire career that if these athletes don't like me because I speak the truth, fine. Again, when I was friends with Derek Thomas, I still spoke my truth. And we used to live in a time where athletes could handle that. They didn't have to be worshiped 24 seven. Back in, in, you know, it was just 15, 20 years ago, people that followed my career in Kansas City, again, and I was friends with several members of the Kansas City Chiefs. But I always chose to speak the truth, even about those guys that were my friends, because it was my job and it was my worldview and point of view. I'm not kissing their rear end because they're millionaire athletes. I'm going to serve the readers and the working class people. And that's, I'm getting way down in the weeds on this in terms of just my career and point of view, but people from Kansas City know like, man, Whitlock would write these incredible criticisms at the end of every Chiefs football season, his Chiefs grades, and it didn't care. He didn't care whether he was friends with those athletes or not. He had a job to do and he had to serve that readership base. I had to serve the people. We now live in an era where all the people in the media are serving the athletes. The, the media are in bed with the athletes and the global elites and they see themselves as global elites and they're selling you out. They won't tell you the truth about any of these guys. And so I, I gotta be honest, I was, when I read the Phil Mickelson story earlier in the week, I was thrilled. Because no one would ever think that a superstar on the PGA Tour would think and operate the same as a superstar in the NBA. We think they're different. Oh, God. PGA Tour guys, they're white, they're patriotic. They, they, they'd never be like those black guys in the NBA. The hell they won't be. And I'm not saying Phil Mickelson going to take a knee. I'm, I'm not saying he'll be that kind of woke. But will he sell out his country in the name of greed? Will he take his alleged victimization and exaggerate it and use it to grab more money and power for himself? That's what he's done here. Oh my God, the PG, I don't get my streaming rights. I don't get this. We should be making X amount. And yes, I've made between, I've made 90 some odd million on the PGA Tour and another two to 300 million from my sponsors. But I'm a victim here. I've been exploited by the PGA Tour. It's like a slave plantation. So I'm gonna cut a deal with people he described as scary mofos. That was his description of the Saudi Arabia. Human rights abuses out the yin yang. He says they murder gay people for just being gay. But I'm gonna get in bed with them because it serves my vengeance interest. That's the exact same thinking why LeBron will say nothing about China, their exploitation of Uyghurs. Anybody with a brain, anybody that's ever traveled abroad knows how China treats black people who aren't tall basketball players. You're catching hell in China. Not gonna say a word about it, but I'm gonna give America hell. That's serving his business interests. That's serving Nike's interests. They've sold us out.
They sold this country out. And their role models are the billionaires uh, that are running these corporations and running NBA and NFL franchises. It's the elites. And that's why you all, black and white, you got to remove this color thing and, and, and stand on, hey, I'm an American. What serves America? Because that's what's in my best interest. Quit thinking about people in terms of color and ask, are, do their actions serve America? And make sure that the next time some little chubby kid like Jason Whitlock, whose parents divorce and is living in poverty as a young person, that he can climb the same American stairs that fat Jason Whitlock climbed. Up out of the ghetto to uh, the richest zip code in America. LeBron James ain't doing that. Phil Mickelson ain't doing that. They, they've all see themselves, all these elites, and the corporations, all America's labor laws are too restrictive. American workers are too spoiled and pampered. They want to be paid a living wage. Let's cut deals with China and in other countries where you can more easily exploit their workers and screw the American workers. That's what's happening to the American working class. I'm going to roll out to uh, the show me state <laughs> and bring in the show me kid, the white shadow, as I like to call him. Jimmy calls him the show me kid. We call him the show me kid. T.J. Moe, uh, who was born in the sticks of Missouri. Uh, uh, have I missed anything here? Do you, do you like my analogy? Do, do you like the way I've gone at Phil Mickelson? Absolutely. I, I think he deserves as much criticism as he's getting from you on a national scale. And he's not. People have people have already moved on. It helps that Russia has uh, bombed uh, Ukraine. And so people move on from things. But I'm telling you, he's not getting the criticism he deserves. And, and I think there's some deep roots here. I'm going to try to unpack this. The insidious crap going on in the education system since the 1950s and 60s has completely depatriotized our youth for generations, generations now that are in their 50s and 60s. And so we don't have the American pride that we once did. There's no American pride because we've been lied to about our heritage as though we are the evil ones and not the people who are fighting for the freedom of people everywhere. You know, you had Steve Bannon on the show yesterday and, and you guys had a discussion about America first and what that means. I don't think America first means America before China or America before Saudi Arabia. It means America before me, America before my profits and my safety and my life. You know, if people approach things that way, you would never have to consider whether or not you should get in bed with Saudi Arabia or China for a few bucks because you're always taking care of America, our ideals and our way of life. And so. There was a time where we used to believe this. You know, there's a, there's a list of guys that I was looking at this morning that left their athletic careers in the height of their existence to go fight in wars. Ted Williams, Yogi Berra, Joe DiMaggio, Pat Tillman is a recent example. You know, it's like those guys wanted to serve our country. They believed in America first, America before themselves. And so there's three big examples that I think uh, I wasn't aware of just just the sort of decisions they made. Stan Musial, uh, I knew about him as a St. Louis guy. He won a World Series in 1942, won MVP in 1943, won another World Series in 1944, and enlisted in the military in January of 1945. Finished up with that, won a World Series in 46 and the MVP that year. Literally in the height of his athletic prowess, he took a break and said, I need to go help America. Uh, there's a heavyweight boxer named Joe Lewis donated $100,000, that's 1.7 million bucks in today's dollars, decided that wasn't good enough, so he enlisted, and he went and did exhibi exhibitions basically to raise the morale 
of soldiers across uh, across the world in order to help us through the war. You know, the the guy that I that I have been that I think doesn't get talked about enough is Warren Spahn, a 17 time all star Cy Young winner, Hall of Famer. And the thing he's most proud of is his Purple Heart. That dude fought in the Battle of the Bulge. And so we had guys who are the greatest guys that we could hold up. Parents in the 1940s and 50s used to be able to hold up athletes and say to their kids, you guys should aspire to be like them. They care about America. They love America. If you work as hard as you can, you should hope to be these guys who are willing to do whatever it takes to become the very best they can possibly be at their sport and give it all up in a moment's notice to preserve our American ideals. And so my problem with Phil Mickelson, to get back to what we're talking about here, he cares more about his media rights than he does human rights. And so to hear him talk about how terrible Saudi Arabia is, and they are, I mean, there are places in Saudi Arabia where they still, they practice female genital uh, mutilation to like 20% of their women because they value virginity so highly they want to take it away from these people. I mean, this is the, the practices they have under Sharia law are some of the most disgusting things happening in the world. He doesn't care. He doesn't care because he loves money so much. First Timothy 6:10, for the love of money is the root of all evil. It's not money. You know, we all got to have money in order to operate as a society, but they love it. LeBron, Phil, Colin Kaepernick love money. They don't love America. And so we're in a place where People are willing to sell out their entire country, their existence that afforded them the ability to ever create a platform where they can make a decision if they want to sell America out. They're they're willing to do all that for a few bucks, give up all the American ideals, look past all the atrocities on the outside world for a few dollars. Doesn't matter about their kids. It doesn't matter about the people around them. It's all about them and building their empire. And so, you know, in my opinion, Athletes today are a bunch of selfish sellouts that don't have a patriotic bone in their body. They don't have even a rudimentary understanding of the history that created the greatest country in the history of the world. And they have no idea why it should be revered or protected. TJ, when I say that's your best work, do I mean that's your best work? Corey, I need you to do me a favor. Uh, grab my American flag, put it over here. TJ's taking me. I, I'm damn near in tears listening uh, to that, because I, I, it, it, it's such a perfect point. It's, it's such a, what athletes, what Americans used to do uh, for out of love, respect, appreciation, gratitude toward this country, we've completely moved away from that. And it's like, we're the crazy people. Those of us that still love this country, those of us that still appreciate this country, it's not, we've been framed as the crazy people. It's just incredible. It, 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 it's, it, TJ, I'm gonna have to, and TJ, uh, I'm gonna have to steal what you just talked about and write a follow-up column about reminding people of what athletes and what Americans used to do to protect this country, used to appreciate, because it's a foreign concept now. And this is, you've taken me to where, why I'm so critical of a, a form of music that I used to love, hip hop, but it's so hedonistic, it's so narcissistic, it's so, just about pleasuring yourself and never sacrificing for others and, and never for the betterment of your country. All we do is just take, 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 take. And that's it. When I read this Phil Mickelson stuff, when it hit the fan earlier in the week, uh, th that was just all I thought. I was like, Phil Mickelson? Saudi Arabia? And he knows it. He says it that he knows he's getting in bed with bad people, but he's still going to do it. And, and then you, I, I'm telling I was watching, you had made so many thoughts go through my head. I just, earlier this week, it took me two or three days, but it was a good movie. But now it, to watch a movie now takes me damn near a week. You know, I watch it in 20 minute spurts. Uh, but I watched uh, the movie Pond Sacrifice. 
and it was about the chess player Bobby Fischer, who in the 1970s uh, became this tremendous chess sensation, and he, he, he became this huge, enormous celebrity, a chess player, because he was able to take on the best players from the Soviet Union. And so Bobby Fischer became one of the biggest celebrities in America playing chess because he was able to knock off the number one player in the world, I think Boris Pesky or something like that, so some guy over in the Soviet Union. But the Soviet Union was the dominant chess country. And, and that rivalry between Fischer and the Russians, uh, all of America jumped behind. And that's why he became a celebrity. And, and it rem when I was watching the movie, I was like, what happened to that kind of pride that we used to take in being Americans? And again, I know that the Soviets were built up as this great enemy, and so we had a rival. But, but that's what I, I look at and feel when I think about China. It's like, these guys are trying to take us out. Where's our pride in our way of life, our country, our blessing for being born in this country, it's all been eviscerated, and you're right to blame the, the, the education system. And, and, you know, they've been teaching critical race theory under a different name for a lot longer than it's become popular to talk about here in the past couple of years. I'll throw it back to you. Well, I think you're exactly right. And sports was how we used to come together and fight against it. During the, during the Cold War, it was a miracle on ice, right? We used to be able to look at our athletes who we could hold up because they were the face of what we were doing. Now the athletes are the people leading us to hell. And so that is my big problem with today's athletes. I mean, I think you, uh, you did a great job expanding on it there. We, I, I have a daughter who I think uh, she's coming up on a year now in April. There's no way I could possibly show her today's athletes and say, I really think you should aspire to be these people. I'll be showing her the old guys. I'll be showing her the old women, who, the people who stood up and did what they were supposed to do because they loved America and they realized that the only reason any of these people matter, because most of them are not smart enough to build Jeff Bezos-like businesses. None of us really are. And if it weren't for the freedoms in America, do you know the athletes all the way around the rest of the world that would have become these huge celebrities with just their country? Or did they have to come compete in America and they became icons? That's happening everywhere. So the fact that we have our American ideals has allowed these people to be relevant on a global scale in the first place, and they totally turn their back on that to take money from the countries that are not willing to create those platforms for their own people. I mean, it's just, it is just, that's why I said, they don't even have a rudimentary understanding of the history that created their relevant existence. And so we, the part of the reason that these old guys cared so much about America is because they lived through a time where those ideals were threatened. It's been a very long time since the American ideals were threatened via war by somebody trying to take over and actually wrestle them away. And so, I mean, you, you look at the history of, um, the history of countries, on average, it's about, uh, there's, a, there's a book, it's called uh, The Cycle of Democracy. And so on average, the uh, countries last about 200 years. And I don't have it pulled up in front of me. I don't know if you guys can find it and, and put it in. But basically, there's a cycle that allows you to, you know, you fight hard to get somewhere. And, and usually that's through spirituality and you have a, a serious belief in God. And then eventually it circles around to a place where you you realize nothing really matters. We're all good. We're too comfortable and, and we're just going to be fine. You you collapse. I mean, the history, go read the history. You, you have some, you know, I think the Roman empire was about 400 years on average, the greatest empires collapse after 200 years and we're at 250. And so there's a serious fight to be had about the, the historical context of what happens to nearly everybody. We're no different than any of them, except that we had smarter founding fathers who learned from their history and we haven't. Man, I, I got, I loved my column. I wish I had talked to you before I wrote it because I could have written another thousand words on this topic and, and talked about the role Jesse Owens played in inspiring this country uh, when we were, you know, facing down Hitler and, and, and Germany's evil. 
I think you mentioned Joe Lewis. I, I, could, I don't know if the way you unpacked it made me think, like, does, does TJ know who Joe Lewis is? I mean, because many people consider him the greatest boxer of all time. I, I think yeah. you know that. And, mm-hmm. and his fights with Max Schmeling uh, were a symbol of, of, of America and its stance against Hitler and Nazism. Uh, and, but, you know, when you, rattle, you talk about Warren Spahn and these guys giving up their playing careers – to go fight for America. And look, these guys weren't making, this is where money corrupts uh, or too much of it. And again, it's why I, I love the thing in the Bible about a rich man getting into the heaven is, is nearly as difficult as getting a camel through the eye of a needle. And it's because it, it just compromises. And so I think it's great what Warren Spahn and those, those guys did. I wonder what they would do now if they were earning Forty million a year, uh, but I, I'm not remotely trying to denigrate them and their sacrifice. But man, you unpacked a mouthful here, TJ. Thank you and a great job. Uh, let me tell you guys about uh, Patriot Mobile. Uh, if the truckers have taught us anything, it's that we are infinitely more powerful when we stick together. The same goes for supporting businesses that believe in this country and your right to live free. That's why I'm proud to partner with Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider. They offer broad nationwide coverage using the same towers as the major carriers, so you get the same great nationwide coverage. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget and their 100% US-based team provides exceptional customer support. More importantly, Patriot Mobile shares your values and supports organizations fighting for religious freedom, constitutional freedoms, and the sanctity of life. Go to patriotmobile.com Jason or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with the offer code Jason Veterans and first responders save even more. Support a company that loves America, loves you, and shares your values. PatriotMobile.com slash Jason or call 972-PATRIOT. Korean Cosell. Next. We must exist in a state of man glorious as we are protected by the red, the white, and the blue. But remember, the mind is the key. The fearless soldier pledges to place God first and foremost in his everyday endeavors of life. We, the fearless army, are one nation under God, indivisible with freedom and a belief in the American dream. The men bold enough to join our movement comprise what we like to call the new dream team. We are leaders of our families, our churches, and of this nation. We reject the seeds of division that are planted by corporate media misinformation. We affirm that all men are created equal and are endowed with inalienable rights which are granted by our Heavenly Father. We are bound by honor to accept God's challenge, to take the flag and lead, to cherish, to protect, and to nurture the life of our unborn seed. I am a fearless soldier, so shed no tears for me. I am not a victim. I am the man that God made me to be. Amen. All right, welcome back. Time to bring in the Korean Cosell. Uh, we'll continue our conversation about Phil Mickelson. We'll talk a little bit of Troy Aikman and uh, Richard Jefferson's. <laughs> Uh, the ether he unleashed on Gilbert Arenas. But, Steve, I want to first start with uh, Phil Mickelson and, and my take. And then I don't – did you just catch TJ 
and how he elevated the conversation and, and pointed out, you know, like the sacrifices that athletes used to make for country that, that we no longer do. I wonder, do you have a take on this Phil Mickelson, Saudi Arabian golf situation? Well, to piggyback a little bit off of what TJ mentioned about how Americans and specifically their athletes were the leaders for patriotism. Uh, as TJ was saying that, it reminded me of the story, I believe it was in the 1976 baseball season, afternoon game at Dodger Stadium. And right in the middle of the game, a couple of protesters brought out an American flag and they started to burn it near left field or near the infield. And Rick Monday, the Dodger center fielder at the time, said, no, no, this is not happening. This is not happening. He ran over there, grabbed the flag and just said, stop this. And he was hailed as a hero. If someone did that today, there would be a good portion of America that would actually criticize Rick Monday for being a part of the patriarchy and siding with the colonizers. That's how far of a 180 we did. I also heard your take on Joe Lewis. Yes, when Joe Lewis fought Matt Schmeling in what was a rematch, remember, Schmeling knocked out Lewis a couple of years prior when he was a young contender. And then all of a sudden, in the throes of World War II with Hitler and the Nazis, this is probably the most historically important fight in boxing history, even more so than Ali Frazier, Rumble in the Jungle, because it meant so much to the American people. And Joe Lewis gave a great quote uh, because there was a lot of pressure on him. He basically said, we're going to win. And he meant the war and the fight because we're on God's side. I, I don't imagine a lot of athletes would be so far out there front and center in terms of their patriotism nowadays. Steve, you, th this is the thing that has frustrated me about the modern athlete. And, and I love that Phil Mickelson has been exposed in this way because I think a lot of people make the mistake of thinking, well, it's, it's only the black athletes. And, yeah. and, and I'm like, no, <laughs> it, it, it's this whole love of money and, and greed thing. And f the, the thing I loved about Shipnick's story is that it, it pointed out and out of Phil's own mouth, it's like, Phil's a victim. Oh my God, he's, he doesn't have media rights and streaming rights and he's not, and, and the PGA Tour, there's money that he's not making and blah, blah, blah. And, and he, he's like, he's no different than Brian Flores. He's on a, the PGA Tour slave plantation. And my God, I have to go to Saudi Arabia to get the real freedom and the rights that, that I should have. Saudi Arabia can provide that to me more so than the PGA Tour. And so I, I, just, I just love this, that it exposes that. All, and, and, and that's I, I'll, the, the reason I, I think I'll lump the white athletes right in there is because I'm looking at them all out of fear and they're getting away with it, just being silent as Drew Brees backpedaling out of fear, no one coming to support him out of fear, uh, Tom Brady not supporting Aaron Rodgers and, and speaking up against these ridiculous COVID protocols. Uh, you know, Tom Brady, when they questioned Tom Brady about the MAGA hat in his locker, he goes yeah. silent. No one has the courage to stand on what they believe in anymore. And, and it, that's why I just don't respect athletes the same way. Yeah, I think part of it, though, when, when you talk about the racial dynamic, uh, why are white athletes given more or less a pass, even though they should? I think this is a factor, Jason. This is my opinion. You may disagree. Most of them are not trying to be activists. They actually are not the ones protesting. So maybe that's like, hey, you're agnostic. You're an atheist and all this. So maybe it doesn't matter, even though it should. But in terms of doing business with countries and dictators, this goes back for years. Um, in, in my area of expertise, boxing, you go back to the Rumble in the Jungle, uh, Muhammad Ali against George Foreman. That was held with an oppressive regime. And my good friend Larry Merchant was like the one uh, journalist that basically said, well, wait a minute, this guy Mobutu is murdering people. He's a horrible dictator. Um, there's a genocide going on. And why are we uh, helping promote this event? Why is it even here? Larry Merchant had his credential pulled because Mobutu basically said, if that man Merchant lands in our country, he ain't going back. And so his editor said, Larry, I, I think you ought to sit this one out. 
more recent times, a couple of years ago, the rematch between Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz was held in Saudi Arabia. And that was a storyline because Saudi Arabia, with the country we're talking about right now, we all know about the human rights violations and the atrocities. And that became a little bit of a story like, well, wait a minute. We know it's about the money. Do we have to have it there? And flat out, there are a lot of journalists that said either our editors aren't going to send us or we're just not going to go. But going back to Larry Merchant, he once said it best about all this. He said, Steve, they always go where the money is. He's not wrong. Do you ever do you see the tide ever changing? And let's relate it specific. We just saw Phil Mickelson kind of fold tent and because it looked like most of his peers in the PGA Tour were very upset with him. Uh, They had some meeting, I believe, on Monday or Tuesday where they really let Phil have it. And then he issues the apology. And so (laughs) maybe maybe. It becomes so evident what Phil, or LeBron, or what any of these athletes are doing that eventually things change? Maybe if there's peer pressure. I will give the PGA and their members credit because there was some positive peer pressure. I give no credit to Phil Mickelson. He just got exposed. Let's be honest. If those quotes never see the light of day, it's business as usual. But because his fellow golfers said, what are you doing? And it became like this cultural thing to say, Phil, this ain't a good look, brother. Uh, you may want to call out on this one. This right here is a double bogey. Don't do this. But do I think it's going to change? That, that's a great question. I, I don't think so. Because when you look at the direction of the NBA, and there's no doubt they are heavily influenced by a foreign country, which shall not be named, uh, but it rhymes with Dinah. Uh, you look at the NFL, how they've been kind of hijacked by the LGBTQXYZ movement. I don't see it changing, to be honest with you, because business is business. It is about the bottom line. All right, uh, Steve, I want to take a little quick break, do some business, and I'm going to circle back to you. We're going to talk about Troy Aikman next. Uh, My go-to doc, we are winning our war against COVID, but it's far from over. Stay safe with your friends, with our friends over at mygotodoc.com. Mygotodoc was launched by Dr. Saeed Hader an expert in treating patients with COVID. His team can help you get the meds and knowledge to stay safe in this unprecedented time. With my go-to doc, you can register and ask questions for free. They will help you and anyone in your family get the help that they need to win this battle against COVID. Plus, they connect you to pharmacies that ship you a full 28 doses of ivermectin for less than $150. MyGoToDoc.com is your go-to source for COVID-19. I encourage you to check them out today. That's MyGoToDoc.com. All right, let's circle back to Steve Kim and continue our conversation. Troy Aikman, I I Mm. think, Steve, uh, you know, a lot of people, I had someone in the media call me today and they were talking about, man, how bad of a look is this for Fox? You, You think someone, you know, Troy Aikman bounces, how, how bad, you know, can they really go with Greg Olson? What are they going to do? And, and Steve, I went the whole other, I go, those questions are mm. interesting. But what I find most fascinating and what should be being talked about is ESPN, and I know they've spent a ton of money here, but they finally got something right. They've needed to fix their Monday night football booth, and Troy Aikman instantly fixes their Monday night football booth, puts them in contention for a Super Bowl, and, you know, football, even though it's gone woke, is still the best way to reach uh, disaffected, upset uh, uh, conservative sports fans, which are most traditional sports fans. And having Aikman, Dallas Cowboys star, uh, not woke as far as I know, although for the kind of money ESPN's paying him, he may <laughs> wear a Black Lives Matter T-shirt or patch on his Monday Night Football jacket. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> but I, I think the story here is like, this is a great look for Jimmy Pataro and ESPN, and I know they're paying a ton of money. Jay, I like the move. I don't necessarily love it as much as you do. You know, Troy Aikman as a mm. broadcaster and as an analyst, I like him. I'm a fan. I want to say that. But he's a lot like the way he was as a quarterback. He was safe, sound, solid, 
regimented, could play within the game plan, and he stuck within the lines. That's what ESPN wants. Personally, I'm actually a little bit surprised they didn't make a harder run at Peyton Manning. Now, maybe Manning does not want to do it. And I've always thought the Monday Night Crew had to be special because, to me, they should be entertainers. I'll go back to it. Um, there was another quarterback that played for the Cowboys that was great at that role. His name was Dandy Don Meredith. He made it a show. That game could be 35 nothing with two minutes to go. You were not turning it off till he sung out, party's out, lights are over, get out, where that song was. Troy's not really like that. He's very good at what he does. Um, I think Tony Romo shows a much better, colorful personality. I'll go back to it. I would have taken a risk. If you really wanted to go out there and have some moments that would have been fun, wacky, and zany and would have gone viral, I would have gone with Michael Irvin. Because to me, it's a football game. Let's make this entertainment. And the one thing about Troy, again, Troy reads the playbook. He follows the game plan. It's very good. It'll get you a lot of wins. But there's not a lot of pizzazz all the time. So, that I mean, I'm high on it, but I'm not as high as you on it. I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. And I like Michael Irvin. But ESPN is in no position to take that kind of risk. They want to land a Super Bowl. And so if Michael Irvin is your broadcaster, people at the NFL offices are going to – and again, I love Michael Irvin. Not just, not just as a broadcaster, but I'm talking about as a human being. I yes. think this guy's got a very positive spirit. And I like – but he gets in headlines. He gets involved in headlines. Whether they're true or not, he gets involved in headlines that, that, that's just too high risk for ESPN. They need, Troy Aikman is exactly what ESPN needs. I think he's the best game day color commentator working mm. in the NFL. No disrespect to Chris Collinsworth, who I think is number two. I'm not big on Romo like everybody else. And, and, you know, no disrespect to the guys at ESPN, that team, but, but just Lewis Riddick, Brian Greasy, no dice. Eh. Uh, eh. And, and, and I, gotta, I can't think – and I like, I like the play-by-play guy. I just don't like him on the NFL. He's not – why is his name escaping me? But you can't pair yeah. uh, Aikman with their play-by-play guy that just did – because it's just not a, a good fit. They got to – uh, Joe Buck, or, or again, to me, the best guy doing football. He doesn't do the NFL, but I don't think. But Brad Nessler, that mm, I love think Brad. he's the best guy doing football. Uh, but but they got to find the right play-by-play guy for Aikman as well. I don't disagree. You know another play-by-play guy that's hot and cold with people. You either love him or hate him. And he had a short run in boxing, and I thought he was really developing well. I like Gus Johnson. I don't know how you feel about him, but to me, he brings the excitement. He brings an energy to it. You could tell that he's passionate about it. Um, Gus Johnson, I don't know what his contractual situation is at his current network, but I do know this. Every time he does a game and I'm watching, I feel the energy. I feel like, hey, this is fun. Let's have fun. This is not that serious. We're only talking about games. So my guy, if you want to pair him up and you want to be diverse because you got to check boxes nowadays, I think Gus Johnson one day should maybe – Maybe be on the call in the bullpen. No. You don't no. like Gus. No. Why not? It, it's not. Oh. I didn't say I don't like Gus. I'm saying you can't pair him with Troy Aikman. <laughs> just, Steve Levy is the guy that. Steve I, Levy. Uh, okay. Yeah, Steve Levy. I was gonna say Steve Javi, but that's the NBA ref. Yeah. Uh, so I'm glad I held my tongue. Uh, but, but you can't. And, and I like Gus, but Troy Aikman's. Way too buttoned up, way <laughs> too serious about the NFL well, don't you need a to be paired don't with you need- Gus Johnson. No, 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 no. Well, I'm just talking about peanut butter and jelly. I mean, you got to have people that can actually get along off air as well, and who take the game, have the same level of passion for the game as each other. That's not Troy Aikman and, and, and okay. Gus Johnson. I, I got, you know, I, I don't want to get, I don't want to betray. I used to work at Fox. I'll just, I'll just, <laughs> Fox Sports, I'll just leave it at that. That uh, you, you, you can't, no, not, not the right combination. All right, let's move on. From, let's, mo- let's move on from the, okay, hold on, hold on. I don't want to move on. I want to ask one follow. What should Fox do for its number one 
guy. Now there's talk, do they elevate Greg Olson? I don't think that would be the right move. Uh, you know, a decent NFL tight end, a very good NFL tight end, no Super Bowls, no star power. Uh, and then there's, do they take a risk and run Sean Payton out there perhaps next year uh, and see how that goes? But this is really damaging for Fox Sports, I think. They, they will, you know, depending on how this goes, they could very easily have the same situation that ESPN has faced of not having a good number one uh, NFL team? Uh, first of all, I'm going to have to stick up for Greg Olson. Obviously, I'm biased. I think he's really good, but you're right. He hasn't been there long enough to be number one yet. Here's a name, Sean McVay. I mean, immediately after the Super Bowl, there were reports He's not leaving he the gonna... NFL. Well, okay. Yet. We don't know that yet. Uh, this is like boxing. These guys say they're retired. Next thing you know, they're training for a fight. We, we don't know what these guys are going to do. Here's the issue with uh, Sean Payton. He's always been very good with the media, obviously intelligent, articulates his thoughts well. But I've always said it. It's different being a broadcaster. It's easy to be interviewed. It's easy to give sound bites. It's easy to do hits. But when you are a broadcaster and you're presenting something, like I call it the Cindy Brady syndrome, there's a lot of people that are loquacious and can talk your ears off until they're forced to be in that position they see the red light, and they freeze like Cindy Brady on the game show. I, I don't know if you take Sean Payton right off the bat from an NFL sideline and you say, okay, uh, you're our number one guy. Look, John Madden to me is the greatest who ever did it at football. But you actually go back to those early games when he was paired up with Bob Costas and actually Vin Scully. It took him about three years to get to become John Madden. And that's after like about five years of being an, a, a very good pitch man for Miller Lite, where he always busts through walls at the end of the commercials. This is I, I always tell people this. Being a broadcaster, for everyone that doesn't do it, it looks easy. And the first time you do it, you have to fight to even get words out. So I don't know if I take a guy that's never done this and elevate him to the absolute top spot. All right, final topic. Uh did you see the video of oh. Richard Jefferson Woo. taking a dump on Gilbert Arenas? Oh. I found this very fascinating, not just from a beef standpoint. I, I just, <laughs> but let's play. It's about a two-minute clip. Let's play it for uh, the viewers and the audience, and then you and I are going to talk about it. I was like, you know, they, you know they picked Richard Jefferson, right? And he's like, yeah, they just picked him. I was like, how did they pick Richard Jefferson? I'm the number one scorer on our team. I'm the best player on our team. Yeah. He is option three, four. Yeah. Today, we're going to address that clip by Gilbert Arenas. Let's talk about what Gilbert went from first round to second round. It wasn't because of his talent, because that man is a bad man, and I will get on any app and talk about how bad of a man he was. But Gilbert was an immature asshole. That's just who he was. We all are little dickheads. Like, I get it. But what Gilbert did was a little bit more special. So, first, every athlete knows about stress tests. You got to do it, make sure your ticker's working. And so at the pre-draft in Chicago, you're probably supposed to be on it for like five to eight minutes so your heart rate gets up high enough. So... Gilbert decides to do it in Chuck Taylor's. Now everyone has to do it. Gilbert gets up there, 30 seconds in, he's like, ah, this is messing up my Chuck Taylor's, I'm not doing it. And these guys that are running the performance thing are like, what are you talking about? He's like, you gotta, you gotta do this. And they're like, nah, I'm not gonna do it. So again, red flag. Now you already had a couple of red flags because Gilbert had some good situations with guns in college, but I digress. This is what he was doing. So they look at him and just be like, okay, whatever. They're reporting to all 30 NBA teams. now. Fast forward the next day, you wanna know how Gilbert followed that beautiful moment up? So there's a big symposium. Every pre-draft player's there, teams are there, there's you know people kind of talking to us about what do you wanna accomplish in this league and the opportunities. And you know, the microphone gets to Gilbert after talking to a couple of different players and Gilbert, they were like, hey, what do you wanna do? It's like, I wanna be a pimp. Now all of us giggle and laugh because we're 19 years old. This guy doesn't know who Gilbert is and how crazy he is. So he's like, excuse me, sir, what did you say? Gilbert doubles down, he's like, I want to be an international pimp. This man lit into Gilbert in a way I still have not seen. If you think objectifying women, if you're talking about using this league, the bubble just goes off as he should because that's inappropriate. No big deal. Sorry, ladies. He's an idiot. So that happened. So all of these things are the reason why Gilbert just kept dropping because he's an idiot. So the fact that his brain still doesn't process why he dropped down, just let you know who Gilbert is. And I love my guy, but he's a little bit special. So before he started talking about, oh, these guys got drafted Gilbert, how many points? did you score in the national championship game? 
And for Ooh. extra credit, do you want to tell everybody what you were doing the night before the national championship game, the biggest game of our lives? And looking back, it was the biggest game you ever played in. Do you want to tell anybody? No? Okay, we'll just keep talking about how I was the fourth option. And look, I was the fourth option because our team was loaded. We were the number one team in the country. We were a number one seed the year before, brought everybody back, and had the best team in the country. We lost to some bunch of bum losers, but that's beside the point. Gilbert, tell the truth. Tell the truth. Don't sit on any app and start capping. Love you, bro. It's awesome. It, 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 it's awesome, but here's my complaint. Here's my complaint. It took Gilbert Arenas talking smack on Richard Jefferson for someone to ever expose the full truth about Gilbert Arenas. Guy's been in the public arena for a solid 20 years. Uh, got involved in a gun controversy and ruined his NBA career, but we can't get the... And to me, it just speaks to how the media we cover for these athletes. People don't understand. When you're blessed with the kind of physical talent and the way you get catered to as an athlete, it doesn't produce the best crop of leaders that like we think. Now, I'm just talking, athletics is a good thing, but for the super talented, it can be a very negative thing. And, and so I listened to that story and it's like, wow. And, and I'm sure Gilbert Arenas would probably go, racism is why I dropped to the second round. They had all these negative stereotypes about me and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, nah, man, you were a super talented freak that played in a sport that, that really matters. And you were catered to and pampered to the point of full-blown idiocy and so I'm not saying that all the athletes are like Gilbert Arenas, but there's some Gilbert Arenas in most athletes, most of the great athletes, because that's what the system baits them into being. Jason, if that's his ether, uh, Richard's got JFF written across his belly. My God, that was ether. Couple of things. <laughs> Uh, I, let me stick up for Richard Jefferson. Uh, that that era was when I still cared about college basketball. We can get into that a little bit more later. That team had Luke Walton, had Lauren Woods, who was a transfer from Wake Forest. He ended up not being the next Tim Duncan. And they had an undersized forward, Michael Wright. Richard Jefferson was the number one or two option in every game. He was a really good player. But my only No, complaint- no, 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 no. Hold, hold for a second. He was not. He was not their second option, I went and looked. He was their fourth or fifth leading scorer. Jason Gardner, a kid from Indianapolis, was on that team. Uh, and, and, you know, Richard Gardner, Jefferson was the second most talented player on that he team. He was. Well, but, but, you know, look, I remember Gardner. That's the era where Lute Olsen every year had a blue-chip guard, and he was supposed to be the next Stoudemire. Yeah. He was okay. He may have gotten more shots. Give me the guy that makes him. There's a reason why Richard Jefferson had the best NBA career. Putting that aside, uh, here's the one thing. I have a complaint with Richard. Jefferson, you're moving on up, but you didn't just bury the lead. You hid the lead. What did Agent Zero do the Sunday before they played Duke? I'm dying to know. What in the (laughs) world? Rich, can we do another TikTok? I'll even download the app. If you promise to reveal... What he did, I will download the app just for you. Here's the other thing. I believe that dice game you were talking about, uh, the the shootout, was with Javaris Crittenden, the former Laker. He got traded in the whole Kwame Brown thing. And I think it was over some money that was owed. And then bullets fly. And I I literally remember Arenas' career almost came to a standstill. Now, going back to why Gilbert Arenas actually dropped, I remember – or I recall the big thing about Gilbert was he was a bit of a tweener. He didn't have great size, but he shot the ball a lot. So people didn't realize, is he a shooting guard or is he a point guard? Ended up being a very, very good, effective uh, combo guard. And I remember one time he actually put up 50 points on Kobe and the Lakers, but it just stopped all of a sudden. But Jason, back to a larger point, and we talked about this on Sunday after the Jawan Hitman Howard incident. Isn't it kind of sad 
that the only time that the general media or me and you specifically are talking about college basketball is over stuff like this. I mean, I'll tell you how big of a fan of college basketball I was, Jason. I actually bought this book, which I used to love till you exposed it as a work of great fiction by Mitch Album. You ruined it. I don't even believe in Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny uh, anymore after what you did to this book. Still a good book, though. Still a good book. Okay. But nowadays, I don't even care. I mean, anytime I switch a channel and I'm seeing some game on, I'm like, I don't want to watch this dreck. I really don't. And I used to be a guy every Monday from November till about late February. Big Monday was appointment viewing for me. College basketball has a real issue that when Richard Jefferson's TikTok and Jawan Howard's mush, it's not a really a jab, but a mush is the biggest story. Boy, they got some issues in that industry. Steve, I, I get you wanted to make a point. You squeezed it in there. Uh, yeah. You wanted to get that off your chest all week. You figured out yeah. a way to do it. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm still sitting there thinking about some NBA team is – <laughs> listening to Gilbert Arenas talk about he wants to be a pimp, and I'm telling you, he probably wasn't joking. Uh, and and Jay, here's, here's a lot of times Arenas. I just ask. A lot of Jay. times we gotta we gotta go, Steve. We're out of time. Yeah. But a, a, a lot of times I just ask the question all the time about who we keep looking for these modern professional athletes out of this super wealthy, uh, super pampered environment. We keep looking for them to be these leaders and yeah. they're gonna revolutionize, they're gonna inspire change and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just, the story we just heard about Gilbert Arenas, it's commonplace. It's, it's just not, I'm talking about the super talented athletes. And again, some, it, it may be different versions of the same story, but it's commonplace. That world, that developmental environment has been so poisoned by wealth and privilege. Yeah. And for us to keep thinking that, oh, yeah, that environment has created this great leader in LeBron James who's going to take us to the promised land. Right? No, it just doesn't. It corrupts, it pampers, it spoils, it ruins. It. Anyway. Uh, we've run out of time. Great job, Steve Kim. That's tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. No negotiation, my sister, no relation We all just want to have freedom Sitting on the corner, never been alone I'm breaking my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back We are receiving, all receiving We all want to be free We want freedom I just want, I want to be I just want, I want to be I just want, I want to be I just want